Discus listeners, today we've got a special bonus episode for you. I'm talking to Dr. Jonathan Tsai, JT, from our last episode, and Dr. Nayo Hill about their paths pursuing a DPT, or a Doctor of Physical Therapy degree, and a PhD. Now, I should tell you that I already know Dr. Tsai and Dr. Hill from their days as DPT students at Northwestern University, where I'm on faculty. Um, Dr. Tsai, JT, completed his, his DPT at Northwestern in 2018, and then went on to his current pursuit, working towards his PhD at UC Berkeley. So welcome, JT. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And Dr. Hill, Mayo, completed both her DPT and her PhD at Northwestern in the dual degree program. So she received her DPT degree in 2017 and then just finished her her PhD about a month ago. So congratulations, by the way. Um, And next, she's headed to a postdoctoral fellowship at Johns Hopkins in the Kennedy Krieger Institute. So welcome to Discus Nayo. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to have you both. And so today I'm talking to Nayo and JT about their path. Um, I'm hoping that this conversation will be helpful to students and clinicians who are thinking about pursuing both a DPT, a doctor of physical therapy degree, and a PhD. And, and frankly, you know, for the rest of us, we'll just, I guess we'll live vicariously through you two as well. Um, so first, Nayo, let's start with you. What led you to want to have both a DPT and a PhD. So why not just one or the other? Why both? Yep, great. Thanks for that question. So my journey actually in pursuing the DPT and the PhD really started out with just the pursuit of the PhD. Um, So I came into Northwestern in 2012 as a PhD student. I studied engineering as an undergraduate, and I was really fascinated by considering the body as a mechanical system. And I was most interested in understanding the nervous system's control of movement and decided to kind of continue to pursue that with a PhD in biomedical engineering. Um, and then when I got to Northwestern, I was in doing pursuing my research in the Department of Physical Therapy and Human Movement Sciences, and that is really where I had my first introduction to the profession of physical therapy. And um, it was just the remarkable faculty in the department who were engaged in clinically relevant research that really piqued my curiosity about the overlap between physical therapy and biomedical engineering. And so um, I decided to consider physical therapy as a profession for myself. Um, And then it really was the shadowing opportunities that I had in neurology and pediatrics that opened my eyes to kind of the breadth of the physical therapy profession. And so in my second year as a PhD student, I applied and got accepted into the DPT program at Northwestern and then decided to switch into uh, the dual degree program that was already uh, set at the at the university. So I'm so happy that I did both. I really enjoy being able to apply my problem-solving brain to both patient care as well as engineering problems. Oh, that's great. And NJT, how about you? How what what led you to want to to do both? Because it's certainly a lot. Yeah. So I my journey is is quite circuitous and quite uh, serendipitous, I think, because I think the story starts from uh, in 2011 when I started my undergrad. Uh, my my dream coming to Northwestern as an undergraduate 
uh, was to be an astronaut. Um, I wanted to do uh, research in astronomy. I was really fascinated by uh, stars and the universe. So I enrolled in a program major at Northwestern um, called uh, the Integrated Science Program. But within the first semester, uh, I realized it wasn't completely for me because uh, I didn't quite fit in with the, the, the group of students. I, I felt like I wanted to be outdoors a lot, um, but my friends, uh, typically, they like, to, they like to play like video games, and it, it, it just didn't fit in at the time, and I, I didn't really find um, a good mentor in, in my program. So I, I kept on soul-searching, and by soul-searching, I, I took a lot of liberal arts classes. I took Russian literature, um, Russian history in the 1800s, and I took a lot of uh, biology and neuroscience classes. And that's what led me to think um, it would be very cool and very um, a great experience to uh, combine my um, love for science and my love for athleticism. Uh, I, was, I was a basketball captain when I was in high school. So those two things combined really led me to think what profession could join together science and my love for athleticism. And that led me to uh, physical therapy. Um, and that's why I applied to physical therapy school uh, when I was a senior uh, at Northwestern University. And I, fortunately, I got into Northwestern's program. Um, but during my, um, my DPT, uh, during my clinical rotations, uh, especially in my time at RIC, which is now uh, the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab, uh, I was on the, the floor treating individuals with stroke. And I was quite frustrated. I, I was a little frustrated that... Um, I felt like the outcomes that uh, the patients had sometimes were, were quite variable. Uh, sometimes patients will come in the clinic, um, but may not be able to uh, achieve their goals when they leave. Um, but other times, uh, patients would, would be able to you know walk and uh, fully recover when, uh, after their therapy. So I felt like part of the reason that uh, these uh, results and outcomes were quite variable was possibly because our limited understanding of how the brain works. And that's what led me to think um, maybe I like to be a part of the effort to um, understand how the brain works, understand how the brain creates movement, and using our knowledge about how the brain works to then create better therapies in the future. Um, and that's what led me to um, discover Professor Richard Ivory's work at UC Berkeley. And he studies the basic mechanisms of motor learning um, what are the different components that can help people uh, move better? And what are the different learning systems like reinforcement learning, reward learning, um, use-dependent learning, uh, implicit adaptation? Um, these different learning systems that really um, help, help the brain create uh, skilled movement. And that's what led me to my PhD now at UC Berkeley. You know, this is really interesting. Both of you have interesting stories about your, your path to getting both degrees. And I'm struck by a couple of commonalities, actually. I mean, first, and this doesn't surprise me one, one bit, knowing the two of you, that, you know, an interest in movement and a curiosity about movement, for sure. But then the other thing that I'm struck by is um, you both describe... Um, you know, having plans, right? Go, going into something, knowing that, you know, for you, Nayo, that you were pursuing your PhD. For you, well, I guess 
JT, once you went to, once you'd made the decision, um, you know, in undergrad then to pursue physical therapy, but then you, you both stayed open to new things too. Um, I'm, I'm struck by that, by like having a plan, but also being open to deviations from that path. That's, um, that sounds, um, terrific and challenging all at the same time. I'm curious what you think about that. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll, I have a good example of this, uh, in grad school. So I came to grad school and I thought I wanted to do motor learning research and a part of, and Niall might touch on this later too, um, motor adaptation is something I currently study, um, which is how the brain helps us keep our movements calibrated. And a big part of the, the, the brain system that helps us do that is typically thought to be the cerebellum. And, you know, with cerebellar degeneration, um, with stroke in the cerebellum, we typically lose the ability to adapt and finally calibrate our movements. But uh, my advisor, Rich, um, he was also interested in the cognitive function, the role of the cerebellum in, in cognition, which is a very like a budding area of research because we typically think of the cerebellum as a motor structure. And so the idea was maybe the cerebellum is also involved in cognition in the same way uh, the cerebellum helps us coordinate movement. And so we actually recently set out to test this idea. And I would never have imagined myself uh, doing this line of research when I entered grad school. But the idea was, does the cerebellum help us coordinate thought? And one task that helps us test this is the task called mental rotation. And it's the idea that we sometimes mentally in our heads uh, kind of move things in our head. And there, there are ways using reaction time to test this idea. And we actually see that patients with cerebellar degeneration have impairments uh, in mental rotation, the mental rotation of like visual objects in the brain. So a lot of people use this, use this test um, to assess IQ and visual spatial skills in, in kids. And so this led us to write a paper on this idea that the cerebellum not only coordinates movement, but also may coordinate thought. And this is an example of how uh, serendipitous, uh, how like maybe open-mindedness uh, led me down this path in my PhD. It's almost like your like flexibility of thinking um, and your, in your planning your life comes in handy sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nayo, what are your thoughts? I I definitely agree that being open-minded is one of the key characteristics of a researcher. Uh, I had kind of a similar um, experience when I entered into my PhD. I I came from undergrad, an undergraduate lab that was looking at gait and walking, specifically crouch gait in children with cerebral palsy. And so I came in um, and I decided to work with Jules DeWald, and I was interested in the lower extremities. I was interested in continuing to understand walking and gait. Um, But the work that he was focusing in on um, in pediatric hemiplegia at that time involved the arm. And 
that point, I didn't know a lot about the arm. Like, I use my arms um, every day, but I didn't really understand a lot about the motor control and what happens after an early brain injury to the ability to independently control the joints of the arm as well as to individually control the fingers. And so it really was a necessity to be open to trying something different and entering into a different research pursuit that led me to the breadth of work that I was able to complete as a PhD student. And uh, I think additionally, just that flexibility and being open-minded has really led me to even the postdoc that I am um, pursuing now. It's uh, been the networking opportunities that I've had, and it's been um, just taking every opportunity that comes my way and and, uh, seeing where it leads. And so there is Uh, a curiosity that is involved in, I think, both being a PT as well as an engineering researcher. And I think that that really is what enriches your career as well as enables you to answer some of the questions that have yet to be answered. Great. Thank you. Now, I want to take a little bit of a step back and think about um, the, you know, for each of you, you know, you've gone through this path of your, or you JT, you're going through this path of getting both degrees and and um, you've each had a different bit of a path to get there where, um, Nayo, you did a dual degree program. Um, so both degrees within the same department, um, somewhat together at the same time. Um, and then JT, you did one, you know, the DPT and then the other. Um, and so I'm hoping you two can talk a bit about um, pros and cons to each one of those options, you know, again, for maybe if there's students who are listening who are are thinking about going um, down this path. So, Nayo, let's start with you about the dual degree program approach. What do you see as the, the pros and cons there? Yes, yeah, so you already touched on one of the main pros, I think, is um, the fact that you can do both programs at the same institution. Uh, Anyone who's familiar with the academic life uh, is aware that there are so many different moves from institution to institution that happen over the course of our entire career. So being able to do both the DPT and the PhD at at the same program in the same university decreased the amount of the number of moves that I needed to take and um, really just kind of allowed it to be a, a streamlined process. I also really appreciated the sequence of the DPT-PhD program that we have at Northwestern. Um, So most students start out with doing two to three years of their PhD, then they switch to doing the three years of the DPT, and then they transition back into finishing up the PhD research. And so for me, that really helped to kind of protect against the feeling of being stuck and doing just one thing um, in the pursuit of this long academic program. And it really kind of gave me the the flexibility and the breaks that I needed to transition between one thing and and the next thing. And I saw that to be a benefit of doing the programs together. And then another thing that was kind of built into our program was an allowance for pursuing part-time clinical practice while finishing up the PhD research. And so that was really beneficial for me because it gave me a chance to get right into the clinic after I finished PT school and keep some of my skills sharp uh, while I was still finishing up my research. Um, So those are some of the pros. Um, A couple cons that I have thought of of just kind of doing all these, these two programs together is that, one, PT school requires 
a lot of the student, um, both mentally and physically. And so I found that I didn't have a lot of extra capacity to progress my research forward as much as I would have liked to while I was in PT school. Um, and so that was a little bit of a challenge. Uh, I think that it was really necessary to have the investment in my PhD before I started PT school, but I really had to recalibrate my expectations for my research productivity during that time in PT school. Uh, and so you kind of experience this looming task of completing your PhD research while you're uh, finishing up PT school. And so that's definitely something to be aware of. And then the only other con that I, I really wanted to focus in on is that in a sense you kind of lose the opportunity to be a full-time clinician as a new grad um, because of the sequence of our particular program. And so I've heard that the first year uh, or two as a new grad is a really incredible time of growth for a clinician and just kind of getting into that regular full-time swing of clinical practice is important in helping with that transition from student to independent clinician. And so those of us in this dual degree program are able to pursue some part-time clinical practice, but we're not able to engage in full-time clinical practice right after PT school. Um, so that can be a challenge. Um, my path, I was able to fortunately find a registry position at um, the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab, and I was I completed one of my last clinical rotations there, and so that really helped with my transition from student into clinician, and so that kind of mitigated some of the um, the steep learning curve, I guess, uh, as being a new grad, but that's definitely something to be aware of and just kind of kind of think about the timing of the two programs and, and how you want to pursue both your clinical practice as well as your research. Great. Thanks. Thank you. That's a lot that I, I've certainly been exposed to plenty of students doing both degrees, you know, in a dual degree program. And, and those are a lot of pros and cons that I hadn't completely considered before. Um, and actually, I'm feeling like I should also mention that Northwestern isn't the only program that has a dual degree, you know, DPT and PhD program. Right. There, there are others, and um, so since we're just doing a lot of Northwestern talk here, I thought I'd, I'd mention that. Um, so, uh, JT, how about you? Um, can you talk about the, the pros and cons to doing things a bit more sequentially, you know, DPT and then PhD in your case? Yeah, so I'll build on to what uh, Nayo mentioned, and those were excellent points. I think, especially, let's first talk, touch on the cons. I am definitely my clinical skills are certainly not sharp. <laughs> I, I haven't practiced uh, in two years. And I think that was a trade-off I had to make coming to Berkeley. Um, not, I could have pursued a clinical, uh, like a registry position on the side, but I chose to devote uh, full time to research. And I think this has to do with uh, Nio's second point about the cons of maybe um, doing DBT and PhD concurrently is that the necessary time to think out your research um, might get uh, broken up um, by clinical commitments or uh, a heavy course load during the DPT. Um, and I, I heard about this, uh, but I feel it now currently with teaching. So sometimes teaching, although I love to teach, Sometimes it breaks up and fragments my thinking, and it really takes, um, at least to follow through with a research project, at least for me, really takes me a lot of quiet.
time, a lot of thinking and reading time to uh, not forget where I am in my research program and uh, come up with something novel. So, um, so right now, I think the pros uh, doing things sequentially is now I can fully devote my energy and my thinking to my uh, research projects. And secondly, I, I, as an aside, I actually asked Jules at Northwestern, I said, I, I wanted to pursue a PhD with him actually after my DPT. And then he says, no, JT, it's, it's time to go. It's time to leave Northwestern. <laughs> you can't stay. Um, and now I see how valuable uh, that um, advice was because going to a completely new environment, although it's somewhat daunting, um, just like being like Naya was going to do her postdoc soon in Johns Hopkins, you get exposed to a completely new set of people and a fresh set of ideas. And that's the benefit of going to a new place. Um, for, for instance, right now I'm pursuing a psychology PhD degree. Uh, motor learning is housed within psychology. Uh, my colleagues and my mentors in this program are anatomists um, that use fMRI to study anatomy. They are also um, behavioral uh, neuroscientists that uh, work with mice and monkeys to study decision-making and reward systems like dopamine systems in the brain. Um, they are also just purely focused on perception, on how do we detect edges, lines, colors, uh, shapes, uh, just the basic visual system and trying to understand uh, how those things work. And those ideas, although somewhat detached from the PT department and even the medical department as a whole, uh, have inspired a lot of new ideas that um, I'm currently tying into um, my, my PhD and my projects on motor control. So I think just to sum that up, a benefit of coming to a new environment um, that's away from the PT program is exposure to a lot more different types of people that pursue different ideas and also as well bringing PT ideas to this new place. Great. Yeah, thank you for that. You know, it occurred to me as you were talking, JT, to at the beginning of your answer there, the, the, the whole clinical practice piece, I, I should mention, you know, I know a number of PTs who have gotten both a clinical degree and a, a PhD who started out as clinicians and maybe worked in research even um, as a research PT, but as a primary clinician. But then just as they got into it, found, you know, years into their practice that they enjoyed it so much and enjoyed thinking about these things that then, you know, then then they went back to school after years of clinical practice as well. So, again, for anybody listening, I guess, don't think that you have to do them right exactly as a one two punch either. There's a third option here um, that I guess I, I could have had another person on on today, too, couldn't I? Um, and, and a great example of that. And um, I hope that he won't mind me calling him out is. My very first guest on this on this podcast, um, Andrew Smith, who um, did something along those lines. So all all kinds of options, right? Just to add on one point to that, my even though I'm not pursuing any clinical uh, experiences now, uh, my ultimate goal is to hopefully, as I as I still I do still work with patients on in a research capacity, and hopefully in the future. Uh, I might come back to the clinic after I gain, you know, maybe develop some type of therapy. Uh, I, I have expertise in maybe treating individuals with cerebellar 
degeneration or Parkinson's disease that can maybe come back to the clinic years later. That would be a dream. That's great. Well, and so my next question actually may build on that a little bit here, JT. So I'm, I'm going to pose it to you first. Um, I'm curious to hear about um, how you anticipate having a DPT in addition to your PhD will impact your career path. And, and I guess that could be your career path in academia or, or in the clinic or, or vice versa. Yeah, so that's a great question. Uh, I think to touch on that, um, the DPT and the PhD are, are quite different. Uh, of course, uh, even though they're both doctors, I think the DPT taught me how to uh, apply existing tools uh, to uh, better patients' lives, while the PhD is really a process of learning how to create uh, new techniques, create new tools, create new methods. And so I in the PhD, um, it really teaches, it really taught me how to ask questions about um, even existing therapies. Why do they not work? Who should they, um, if they do work, what is the target population that they work in? Or if I were to design a new treatment, how do I assess whether treatment A is better than treatment B? And those questions uh, really require um, some knowledge about research design and what are the potential confounding variables that might affect and contaminate your results. And so that's really what helped, that's really what the PhD is teaching, a way to think about problems and how to solve it. And I, I do want to eventually bring these skills um, right now, even though my research is along the lines of more basic science research, trying to understand what are the brain areas that help us help our motor system stay calibrated. But in the future, I hope to apply this knowledge and use my DPT degree to kind of tie these two things together and bring these research uh, basic insights into the brain back to the clinic to design better therapies. That would be my ultimate goal. And just a last point on this, I think in the PhD, I also learned the language of research, which is uh, math and stats. And those things are required to uh, really assess differences uh, between groups. Let's say treatment A is better than treatment B, but how do you know? I think a part of that has to do with being having fluency in uh, the techniques and the, the statistical tools needed to assess and detect differences between groups to constantly say treatment A is better than treatment B. And that, of course, would um, help us uh, design better therapies that can increase the effect size that can make the most uh, clinically meaningful difference in our patients. And, and Nayo, how about you? Um, how do you anticipate how having both degrees will impact your career? Yeah, JT, you had some really wonderful points. I really like the way that you kind of summarize what the DPT is with applying existing tools and the PhD is learning how to create those tools. And I see really the necessary link is how do we connect that? How do we uh, learn how to create the right tools that can be then used in the clinic um, effectively? And 
So the main way I see my clinical training influencing my research is the exposure to the high demands of a clinical practice setting. Uh, it's given me an appreciation for why it is so challenging to incorporate certain um, types of technology or different types of interventions into a really busy clinical setting. And I think this awareness and understanding is really crucial to be able to figure out how to really do translational research well. Um, I think as a clinician, I have more insights into what's feasible, and we can really take what we're learning in the research lab and figure out how to translate it more effectively into something that clinicians will be able to use every day. Um, I also think that my the deep understanding that I have as a clinician of human movement has really shaped the questions that I'm able to ask in my research, and um, it gives me a little bit more nuance to the understanding of the human body that shapes the types of questions I'm asking. Um, so as JT mentioned, he's really focusing in on understanding certain brain areas and how that affects movement. Um, that's the heart and soul of what I'm wanting, uh, what I'm doing as well. And so I, I do think that the clinical training informs the way you ask questions, the type of questions that you're asking, and even uh, shapes your understanding of what you need to know in order to then make interventions more effective. Um, so I do really see it, as JT mentioned, as trying to tie the two together uh, to, to really understand how we can take the research into the clinic in a more effective way. And that's what I am hoping to do in my future career. I really do enjoy practicing as a clinician, and I'm really motivated by trying to understand the brain after injury so that then we can help children be able to move most effectively um, after they've had these early lesions. That's a great point. As I, as I listen to both of you talk about this, it, it sounds to me almost like doing both programs has helped you be fluent bilingual sort of fluent in the the language and the culture of both the clinic and the science so that you can help kind of meld the two is that a fair summary i think that's a perfect summary um my phd advisor jules dewald talks about the dual degree program and uh one of the main things that he says is it's being able to speak both languages without an accent so being able to speak engineering and being able to speak PT and be able to communicate between the two very fluently. Well, that's terrific. I think that's a, actually a terrific point for us to, to close on. So um, Dr. Niohill and Dr. Jonathan Sai, thank you so much for joining me today. I've, I've really enjoyed talking with you. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks so much. Absolutely. And, and thanks to you, Discus listeners, for tuning in. Discussions in Spinal Cord Injury Science is a podcast from the Spinal Cord Injury Special Interest Group of the Academy of Neurologic Physical Therapy, a component of the American Physical Therapy Association. Ethan Stoller edited this episode and composed the theme music. And I'm Rachel Tappan, your host. Until next time. Mm-hmm.